0: Hello, and welcome, not to the Sitcom Club, but to the Sitcom Club USA. George. Hello. What's this all about then?
1: It was something we were speaking about back in 2013 when the sitcom club began, and we were thinking of maybe incorporating a few specials where we talk about a couple of American sitcoms. And of course, there is a lot of crossover really between UK and US in terms of adaptations and so forth. So we thought, well, since the sitcom club UK is kind of winding down a little bit, we may as well investigate some American sitcoms in the interim. Essentially, there's a lot more to cover in terms of quantity. For example, I mean, we'll be looking at individual episodes and particular seasons of US sitcoms in comparison to Sitcom Club UK, because just of the vast quantity produced for American television, whereas British television, where the standard example, you've got the UK version of The Office's 14 episodes, including the specials, and The American Office produced 201. So
0: that that is, that is, I think that even people who perhaps aren't, particularly fans of sitcoms or whatever it may be. I think that's the first thing that really jumps out at you, isn't there? The sheer volume, the sheer numbers concerned. I mean, you can have successful shows that have 200 plus episodes because a lot of American shows, they have something in the region of 22, 23 episodes per season. If it runs for a decade, then that's you. You're set up as far as a nice little syndication package is concerned. But of course, we've got to remember how this comes about because there's no way that... John Sullivan or John Cleese and Connie Booth could have written 22 sitcoms per year themselves. This comes about as a result of the team writing approach, which would you say, I mean, I think because, you, because as, as listeners will rapidly discover, which is why I'm not going to be a regular host on Sitcom Club USA, you're much more into American popular culture and TV and what have you than I am. But would you say that this is something which is an intrinsically American thing? this approach, because I remember people making a big deal about it when my family arrived on BBC about sort of 15 years ago, and that adopted that approach, and it was a guy from the States who was in charge of organising that. I would say that
1: it's certainly a model we can and we should experiment with for sure, although I would argue that the standard element is, I mean the one that, the big argument that Ricky Gervais used to say about The Office was, oh well Forty Towers only did two series and I'm not sure that's a good excuse, but he does have a point in terms of quality. And I think, certainly, in the rich tradition of British sitcoms, for the most part, at least the ones that are remembered, fondly remembered and consistent in terms of their quality, are the ones that don't necessarily have a huge amount of episodes. I mean, of course, you know, then you look at episodes of Only Fools and Horses. All of those episodes, by definition, are in some way remembered individually certain moments certain scenes in them but then it did wind down by the end and they kept bringing it back bringing it back and slowly but surely the legacy arguably became a little bit less popular i would say now it's sort of self-mockery isn't it i mean you've got the whole thing with um, stuart lee mocking the dull boy falling through the bar and notoriously many a comedy fan uses that as a reference
0: point of just oversaturated mainstream British comedy. I mean, anybody who watched any of the clip shows that were on over Christmas and New Year, particularly the ones that you get on Channel 5, there are certain clips, not always just sitcoms, of course, but there are certain things that I will never, ever need to see or hear again in my lifetime. I will never need to hear Peter Cook say bloody Greta Garbo, because that clip has been repeated so many times that all of the context has been taken out of it. And even the, the lines preceding that line have slowly been trimmed and trimmed and trimmed until the, 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 there's no context whatsoever. The number of times I've seen Angela Rippon at the desk going into the dance routine and Mark on Wise and Matthew, and yeah, it does get tiresome. I mean, things like that are, are nice. It's nice that we do celebrate our culture. At the same time, I think this is perhaps... A BBC sort of thing. I think that because BBC is such a, a big player in the media in the UK, it tends to be BBC material which gets repeated to death. Whereas there are lots of little clips that you'd think of sitcoms, maybe on ITV or Channel Four. And I do. I appreciate those two examples gave—one sitcoms. But you what know, I mean you've, you've given the obvious one—you know, del Boy falling through the bar, John Cleese, but Basil Fawlty hitting the the car and so on with the tree, all that kind of stuff. Now. I think that there are probably little bits and pieces in sitcoms, say from ITV and Channel 4, which if they'd been a BBC show, they probably would have gone right into that particular little cache and then been repeated ad infinitum from then on. Whereas I I don't get quite the impression that that this is something that happens in the States because it's a bit more of an even playing field. Now, am I wrong? I mean, I don't get the impression that, say say for example, bits and pieces that get repeated from, well, I mean, okay, they're all new players now on, on late night, but say when Letterman would have a best of or or whatever, you'd have the same Letterman clips being repeated and so on. I don't get the impression that there is quite the same sort of en masse regurgitation of little bits and pieces in the States, possibly because the networks themselves are sort of mindful of their own brands and their ownership of, of bits and pieces and so on. I mean, I mean, am I wrong in this? It's just it's just the impression I get, because I, I sort of I quite often have, like, the American networks on almost as, like, sort of musical wallpaper on the TV, and oh, if you leave BBC on for, like, a matter of a few hours, you, you're going to see an advert for Doctor Who, let's, let's be honest. You're going to see something for EastEnders. It doesn't matter what network you've got on. Even if you've got the radio on, you're going to see cross-promotion, whereas things are a little bit more, sort of, fragmented in these days. Well, I would say
1: we live in a list culture society, where we're obsessed by lists. And although I'd certainly say the Americans lead the way in that, certainly with MTV and so forth, top 10, the best 20 music videos in the of the 80s, and things like that, all sorts of lists. But I very rarely see, certainly on television in America, very rarely hear of or see top 100 sitcoms. And I think it's partially because there's less of a proximity between the networks perhaps relationship wise whereas if you look at say the kind of list shows that do over here predominantly on channel four and i would also point out in regards to although they are there are a lot of bbc heavy clips featured you also do get the prominent element of father ted far away you know all that and it crowd have you tried turning it on and off again Mm -hmm. and i mean even with non-comedy such as downton abbey and doctor who When we get something that's successful, we really like to mine it for everything that we can. Oh,
0: yes, yeah. I mean, I I suspect that this particular aspect came probably from the States. The idea of the the celebration, the BAFTA tribute. Now, okay, BAFTA is obviously a British entity, but you know the kind of thing I mean. I mean, it's, it's very much a sort of, for example, like the Dean Martin roasts, things like that. They tried that in the UK on Channel 4 a few years back. It didn't really work out. But the idea of the big gala sort of celebration where everybody's just saying nice things about each other, that's been done quite a few times over the past few years. We just had one for Downton, which wasn't a success as far as viewing figures are concerned in the, in the UK. But, yeah, it certainly is something that when you get hit and if it emerges from like a particular area, say, for example, you know, Doctor Who being produced by BBC Wales or whatever it may be, yeah. You can't miss it. It's impossible to to miss really any aspect of UK popular culture once it gets over a certain level of popularity. If you've never seen Downton Abbey, you don't even know who's in it. You know that there is such an entity as that. Whereas perhaps it's easier to avoid certain things in the American TV landscape because for all the multi-channel choice that we've got nowadays, that doesn't seem to be having quite the same impact in the UK when it comes to recognition of particular people and so on. It does seem to be the the core networks, the core terrestrial stations, which still make the biggest impact. Whereas, I'm not really sure. Are there a lot of shows that you can point to in the States nowadays that everybody knows of? Not just sitcoms, but just television in general.
1: I would say they still have their standout primetime shows, like The Big Bang Theory is the sitcom example, But also, a lot of reality television still drowns a lot of decent television internationally, generally. But I would also say that that's what I kind of love about American television, is that there's so much of it that you can go on a treasure hunt, and you can really find some gold hidden amongst all the populist mainstream stuff. And so that's where you get the likes of, say, cable channels like Adult Swim, IFC and things like that. And then, of course, you look at HBO uh, for some premium cable, and occasionally they do a comedy that has been recently as you have Veep and Getting On, both of which, of course, were from UK sitcoms originally. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. And yeah, I think it also is just a case of in the UK, everything is just as is, everything's oversaturated. We had five terrestrial channels, then we've gone out and out, spreading everything incredibly thin. Arguably, over so many channels now that you could, I would guarantee, hundred percent guarantee that if you were to flick onto Sky now and to flick around the channels, maybe go into the uh, A to Z Planner, hundred percent guarantee there'll be at least one of three shows on within the next twenty four hours: Only Fools and Horses, Last of the Summer Wine, and Porridge. Guarantee one of at least one of those is on at some point as of
0: recording on UK television within the next twenty four hours. Do you want to put this to the test? I can do it right now. I've got the box in front of me. So let's 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 put this to the test. Okay, hang on a second. Let's have a look. There we there we go. Gold right now only falls on and horses started two minutes ago. Okay. And I'm just turning my television
1: on now as well. I want to test something out. I want to see what the situation is regarding British sitcoms and US sitcoms. How easy is it it for me to find a US sitcom and what are the ones that pop up the most?
0: Well, now, this is something that we were talking about off air before we began recording is I think that BBC, ITV, definitely Channel 4 shows, I think that they've got a a particular aura about them. I think there's something where if you're watching something for a few minutes you can pretty much tell. Even if you didn't know what channel you were looking at, you can sort of get the impression I think I know what station this is coming from. Whereas in the UK, it's quite easy to fall into the trap. If you didn't know any better, you'd think that every American sitcom, probably about 90% of the ones that you would see on British television emanate from some entity called Comedy Central. Because of course, Comedy Central in the UK is a different animal from Comedy Central in the US, and if a new American sitcom comes along, because bear in mind we're about sort of 30 or so years on from the decision i think it was michael grade who was in charge at the time grade decided bbc one would no longer put out imports principally american material in peak time and so you did occasionally you got sort of us sitcoms turning up things like taxi for example you would have them on about maybe half past eight in the evening whereas nowadays american sitcom comes along let's face it the only places that it's going to arrive are e4 maybe itv2 possibly would have been BBC 3 if it was animated but of course that's going by the way and otherwise it's going to be Comedy Central so if you didn't know anything about the US TV landscape you you would be forgetting for thinking that Comedy Central is just this great big American station that just churns out all these different shows from, from friends onwards over the past 28 years It used to be this exciting
1: thing to find an American show on one of the terrestrial channels and as I flick across 1, 2, ITV, Channel 4 Channel 5, I must admit BBC, doing quite well on the UK sitcom front at the moment. They have a triple bill, albeit a bit of a strange time, but Peter Kay's Car Share, Mrs. Brown's Boys, and Boomers. Mm -hmm. Now, Mrs. Brown's Boys, I've seen, not a fan of. I've heard good things about Car Share, so I'm going to watch that all in one go at some point in the very near future on a quiet evening. And Boomers, I've never heard of, but it does say here it's a comedy series, so I'm going to run with that. Boomers
0: is a show which is full of recognisable... I suppose you'd say veteran sitcom stars. So it's about it's about the baby boomer generation. So there's a lot of people in there that you'd recognise from from all the things. So I've never actually seen the show myself, but Car Share's really good. Yeah, Car Share was quite a surprise. I think it'd been on the shelf for a while. I think it'd been on the shelf for a couple of years, and then finally got an airing and it was such a success that it got rapidly a uh, repeat in pretty much the same slot. It's actually quite odd, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but it's quite odd to see how Peter Kay, who he had some success with the BBC very early in his career when he was doing stand-up. I think he won one of their new talent competitions and so on, and he was on things like The Sunday Show and what have you. But principally, Peter Kay is best known for either being on Channel 4 or for being a live act with hugely successful DVD sales. And all of a sudden, this year, Peter Kay has starred in two successful BBC sitcoms, and now he's getting a 20 years of tribute on BBC. <laughs> on Christmas Eve past. It's like he's suddenly become a BBC guy, even though he's never really been on the BBC for the past 20 years. That's the thing. He can go from Channel 4 to BBC relatively
1: smoothly, but he's one of the examples, one of the rare examples, of humour not necessarily translating over to the US market. I mean, as far as I'm aware, and I'd be happy to be corrected wrong on this, but Phoenix Knights, I've never heard a single American person talk about Phoenix Knights. Uh, I haven't seen it reviewed over there. I haven't seen it on one of the networks. I don't believe it was on BBC America. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, the the northern humour over there hasn't translated as such. Whereas on the other hand, you go further up north, Still Game has developed a slight popularity over there, partially potentially due to the uh, Canadian connection, the Scottish-Canadian connection. It's interesting to see, whereas I would say that all manner of American sitcoms would translate north or south not south america but the south of north america but yeah looking at the terrestrial channels it's interesting to see that nice little triple bill of british sitcoms there new british sitcoms not a single american one tonight i mean there is american pie the film i should also point out that we are recording this on the 29th of december so bearing in mind that we give a little bit of traction to the season that the schedule is a little bit out of whack in comparison to the usual run of shows.
0: That is a thing, though, isn't it? Even though we don't really have American series or American dramas, I mean, there have been, for example, instances such as Pushing Daisies and The Americans that have been on ITV, main ITV, in peak time over the last few years, but by and large, you don't really get a lot of American television shows on in peak time on either BBC or ITV, the main channel, and yet American films are all over the place just about every single night you're gonna see something like American Pie or Fast and Furious or you know, whatever it may be. So yeah, there does seem to be a, a strange sort of imbalance there where it's perfectly acceptable to show American films in peak time, but American television seems to get sort of almost relegated to if it turns up in peak time it's gonna be Channel 4, Channel Five, or it's gonna be on, you know, digital satellites, so on and so on
1: there's a part of me that wishes that just for maybe a month or a year or somewhere in between they would remove all the channels after channel 5 and just remind the audience what it was once like and that these channels were special once they're still special but not in the way that they used to be so for example one of the channels on sky is known as gold and they play a lot of the standard classic British UK sitcoms. And at the moment, it is exclusively called Christmas Gold. And today it is for the binge watchers, only Falls and on Horses, series five, going into series six all through the day, up until about 11:30, when you go into Absolutely Fabulous, Men Behaving Badly, Pulling, which I haven't seen, Pram Face, and then Going Straight at 2am followed by, yes, Prime Minister, yes, Prime Minister, and then a bit of teleshopping for a good few hours. It always annoys me with teleshopping. I can, un- I can kind of understand why they need to have it, but, I mean, that 4am till 7am slot, that could be filled with, well, I, maybe it's a bit too
0: late slash early for Adult Swim, but just it could be filled with a bit, something a bit more obscure, perhaps. Well, yes, yeah, so many of the channels rely on that little window of opportunity because, I mean, basically, it's them acknowledging that no bugger's watching at that time of night. And gold have shifted that time slot from 3 to 6 to 4 to 7 recently. And, yeah, it's just a sort of acknowledgement that people really aren't watching television or linear television overnight. And so that's why all that junk, infomercial and what have you, that's why it's all there. That's why you get things like the casinos and what have you and you get ITV night screen and just jizz like that because uh, no buckers watching. But it is a shame, yeah.
1: Well, here's the sad truth. So our prediction of porridge which we're going to count with going straight, I believe. Yep. Only Fools and Horses, we've established. And yet still three hours or so of Teleshopping, and still under 24 hours following straight after the Teleshopping at 7am, Last of the Summer Wine. Hey! And this is all on one channel. Yep. I was expecting to flick down and see maybe Last of the Summer Wine hidden on another channel, potentially, because I know sometimes it does tend to do that. Well, it also goes out on drama as
0: well as gold. There you go.
1: Yeah, exactly. And... I think that proves a very big point, that we curate all of our existing quality shows and just churn them out constantly, spreading them so thin over all these channels, whereas the US, the history, the the rich history, the rich tapestry of US sitcoms, not to say that there isn't a rich tapestry with UK sitcoms,
0: but with the US, there is a lot more to hunt out now actually, now actually, now actually, now this is an interesting point because, funnily enough, I was reading something the other day about a station in the States which was going in a similar direction. It wasn't sitcoms, it was a game show network, and they, when they started they were showing old episodes of you know Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and all that kind of stuff, Family Feud, but latterly it's just become a repository for shows that are maybe months or a few years old. And this has led now to there being a competitor network to the game show network in the States, which is trying to show really old stuff like the match game and what have you. Now, this does seem to be perhaps an issue with the cutthroat world of television viewing in general, that Gold could show... I mean, Gold, for example, they were actually showing some American shows in the daytime recently. They were showing I Dream of Genie and Bewitched, Happy Days and so on. I'm not sure that they're actually going to carry on doing that in the new year. And it does seem with a lot of the channels that they just want to play safe. And comparing the listings of the satellite channels from 20 odd years ago compared to now, it does seem that okay, this might be the 1000th repeat of that particular Only Frozen Horses episode, but nonetheless it's probably going to get higher viewing figures than if they were to suddenly put on, say, an edition of Odd Man Out. Now, It would be more interesting to see them get something out of the archives that hasn't been on for the best part of 20 or 30 or 40 years, but they know that they're going to get more viewers just by churning out the same stuff that's been on within the past few weeks or months or days sometimes. It's a bugger, but thank God for groups like Network DVD, for instance, because at least there was still access to material out there. You just have to go looking for it. Unfortunately,
1: only two channels down from christmas gold we have comedy central now that's not the unfortunate bit but it does illustrate either what the television networks expect of their audience that old and same is always popular let's not try anything new because they're currently having a binge today as a recording
0: of friends i was just going to guess friends actually because they made a big deal when they acquired friends i think it was about three years ago and they made a big deal about acquiring it. And to be fair, they've got really nice HD prints of them now, which E4 didn't have. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that Comedy Central could be showing, Laverne and Shirley. It could be showing Sanford and Son. It could be showing All in the Family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we know that they're going to get more viewers just by repeating friends constantly, and that's why it's such a valuable asset to them. And it is really a shame that the, the horizon, as far as the multi-channel world is concerned, it seems to have contracted in certain areas. Now I'm lucky because I'm a, a sports fan, so satellite television has been a real boon for myself because it means that a lot of things that weren't being televised or being televised but only given sort of partial attention now have hours of coverage, sometimes days' worth of coverage, that they would never have had before. But at the same time, I can also see that As far as, say, comedy, entertainment, I don't know about drama, but certainly as far as those two are concerned, it does seem that our options have been somewhat limited compared to, you know, certainly the early days of Satellite. And I think that that's really just, it's down to the numbers and and, and nothing else. Is it also an element that
1: we don't take risks? I mean, if you look at how Comedy Central is today, I mean, as I said, it is that post-Christmas, pre-New Year weird time, but... Binge Watch of Friends, followed by Michael McIntyre, followed by The Roast of Justin
0: Bieber. Who's the audience? I don't know that there's necessarily... Well, there might be a continuous audience for all of those different bits and pieces, but it seems much more focused on... It just wants to get your attention as far as the names are concerned. Mm. Because bear in mind, when you're searching on Sky these days, and it works the same on Virgin, and of course it works the same on the American satellite and cable networks, a lot of people don't even search channels anymore. They search for names. So if somebody's searching for Justin Bieber, they'll find that. They might not even care what channel it's on. It just happens to be on Comedy Central. So they'll hit the record button and on it'll be. And of course that airing will then be packed full of trailers for our Comedy Central bits and pieces and will have their stamp on it throughout. But I'm quite conscious of the fact that we're not really talking about American sitcoms right now but I think it's an area worth looking into because it's it is a shame that, that despite technology allowing the much more allowing much more scope for finding just the stuff that you want to see, and particularly you know, digital television, the, the process of digitizing analog archives is long and you know, lengthy and expensive and so on. But once it's done, then the material's out there for you, and of course, in the long term, we'll have IPTV, so that you know, if you particularly want to see an episode of Clive James on television, episode three of season four, then fine, you can do that. It's not going to trouble anybody else who maybe wants to see, you know, a latest Pixar film or whatever. It's up to you. But it does seem that, despite all of this wondrous technology, we appear to be narrowcasting in a way. The, the the options available to you are. are getting slimmer and slimmer.
1: And when they are made available to you, they're placed in the strangest of slots. I mean, Sky Atlantic have kind of shoveled up a little bit of HBO, a little bit of NBC, and a fair bit of US Comedy Central. So the shows that you might expect or hope to be on the Comedy Central UK channel, such as Broad City, or maybe even The Daily Show, or Drunk History, not all of these are sitcoms, but... Nathan For You, Review, which is fantastic, South Park, of course, Workaholics, they're all spread. If they do appear at all, they, they're all spread out. And, I mean, flicking over to tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 6 and 7 a.m., Seinfeld. Hmm. It's such a bizarre slot, and that's on Sky Atlantic. I mean, Sky Atlantic, it, to give them some kind of credit, they have uh, they are at least curating some things that have not been seen on other channels in the U.K., before although admittedly as I've said before we are in a bit of a strange time in between Christmas and New Year but it is a little bit disheartening not seeing the variation of shows they could be putting out there and although we have said at this point that UK sitcoms are more or less plunged out there for the UK public to see over and over and over again, and there's multiple options now. When you've got the likes of BBC iPlayer, All For, Netflix, and all these other options, Amazon Prime as well, there's really no need for any of these channels. And yet here they are. And who's really going to be going on a friends binge when it might be there for the taking somewhere else or any other of these examples that we've put out there? I mean, at the end of the day, the reason that I've always enjoyed the sitcom club is because you varied. And for the most part, it wasn't mainstream. It was usually shows that don't really get much attention anymore at all. So they're far more interesting to be spoken about because they're worth investigating. Even things like Last of the Summer Wine, that first series, for the most part, I would say, probably doesn't get aired as much as, say, the classic
0: era of going down the hill in the bathtub. So No, I think, yeah, I think think you're right. Yeah, I think that um, we even tend to perhaps favour particular eras and so on when it comes to long-running sitcoms and yeah again i we can't really claim that this is necessarily something you need to the uk but it it, it's annoying that you have to sort of this is always what you're offered when it comes to your so-called choice on the the networks yeah
1: and i think that really is the clear-cut distinction between uk and us sitcoms is that when you're hunting out a good uk sitcom it's almost too easy to do And in fact, it's when you try and find the good ones that just don't get noticed in the same way, that's the challenge. And so when you discover a show that you love, that just really doesn't get shown anywhere, Network or Acorn DVD might have released it, perhaps, and then you get to love it all over again, but at the end of the day, you never see it repeated. It's unlikely that we'll ever see Nightingales repeated on Channel 4, or one of the sky channels for example it would be lovely to see but one saving grace is that you can now buy nightingales on dvd amongst many other shows that more often than not will not appear on uk television whereas in the us perhaps maybe because they've got far more networks and they've had far more networks for much longer than we have had i would stress that there is more gold and there is more terrible things in there as well don't get me wrong i'm not kissing the arse of US sitcoms because don't get me wrong listener we are going to investigate some terrible shows as well but not ones necessarily that you've heard of or ones that should have worked but didn't for whatever reason and we'll be looking into those and the irony is is that we've been speaking about this for about half an hour but we haven't even touched base on half the things that i wanted to investigate and this is only a kind of a preview show in in forthcoming episodes we'll be talking about particular shows and particular seasons of shows maybe in some cases, particular episodes. However, before we proceed with any particular US sitcom, we've still got more pilot episode. So we'll be back with you next week for part two. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter via at sitcomclubusa. You can get in touch via admin at podnose.com. And of course, you can check out not just this show, but all the other shows available on the Podnose network via www.podnose.com. For now, this is George and Gary signing off and we'll see you next week for part two of the pilot episode of the Sitcom Club USA. Bye for now.